With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now... On with the show.
What's good, boys and girls? Two Footed Podcast. Today is Tuesday. It is the 12th of September. Hope you're all well. You're all having a pleasant day. The sun is out, but it's not too warm today, which is nice. Right. Today, uh, we're just going to go through all 20 teams. Four games in. Little bit of a state of the nation. State of the Union. State of the Union. On each club. How they're going to be feeling, we estimate, after their four games. So, Manchester City. We'll start with them. We'll work our way down. They've played Burnley. They've played Newcastle, Sheffield United and Fulham. They will have been expected to win three of those games comfortably. And Newcastle would have been the toughest game. As it's turned out, they've won three of the games comfortably. But Sheffield United was the toughest game. They beat Burnley very easily. They beat Newcastle. Even though it was only 1-0, it was very comfortable. Sheffield United gave them a scare. And to be fair, so did Fulham for a brief period of time until some very strange refereeing took over. City will be happy. Like, even though they're City, when you win 4 from 4, you're still always going to be thrilled. So I think for City, everything is going to plan. They've got some new players that they're going to be settling in. Matthias Nunes, Josko Gvardio. Kovacic has obviously already started to make a big impact. They don't have massive injury issues at the moment. Stones and Grealish should both be back after the international break. But they're doing this without Kevin De Bruyne, who, for my money, is still the best player in the league along with Salah and is unlikely to play again till mid-January. Now, you would wonder, given the severity of the injury in the Champions League final and now the severity of this injury, what he's going to be like when he comes back. Is he still going to have that same burst? Or is this going to alter him as a player? Because it is a muscular injury, but it is one of the muscles that give him that explosiveness that he only displays and deploys as and when he needs to. So that's probably their biggest concern looking forward. But as far as everything else goes, as we sit right now, Manchester City are in a very, very strong position. And everybody knows that they're the team most likely to win the league. They've got the best attack. Defensively, they've been, well, second most goals scored. But they do have the best attack because they've got Haaland, which is just a cheat code. They do obviously have the best defensive record in the league thus far. They've got much tougher tests to come. They've got West Ham away, Forest home, Wolves away, Arsenal away as their next four league games. So not easy. Trips to London, trip to Wolverhampton, those will be tough enough, but you'd still expect City to win. You'd expect them to beat Forest at home. The Arsenal game stands out there. That's a game that could be just an early check mark for both teams. We'll go to Spurs next. These these are the most surprising team in a good way to me so far this season. Because I thought Ange's style of football would take a little bit longer to really click in. But so far, they've made a great start. They drew 2-2 with Brentford. They beat United, they beat Bournemouth, they walloped Burnley. It's not the hardest start, 
But Brentford and, and United are teams that needed to be respected. They're both good sides. Bournemouth, Burnley, they were expected to beat both of them. The only disappointment for them so far is they've been knocked out of the EFL Cup. I think they will be disappointed that they went out on penalties in that competition. The new signings, Madison and Van de Veen, have settled in very, very well. Doji, obviously, they bought last summer and loaned him, but he has already made a really good start to life in the Premier League. I'm liking the back four of Poro, Romero, Van de Ven and Adoiji. But it is definitely suspect defensively, and they can be got at. Now, Basuma and Papimatar Sar are doing a really good job of screening in front and breaking everything up. But there are still weak points in that defence. Van de Ven and Romero, they can both be a little bit loose at times in possession. They can both be a little bit excitable in terms of stepping out to try and deal with situations and getting caught out. And the fullbacks are glorified wingers. Poro and Adoiji are glorified wingers. So defensively, neither of them are the strongest. Adoiji does have really good potential there, though. But he's very young. So it's going to take time. It's a young defence. Poro, I think, is 24. Romero's 25, maybe. Van de Ven, I think, is 22. And Adoiji's 20. So they've got a lot of ground in front of them. I really like the midfield, the way it's working right now. They do have Benjancourt to come back into that midfield as well, which will be a big help. They've got Sessegnon, Hill, Lacelso. And Romero currently dealing with different things. But the only ones that are out long-term, Bentoncourt, Sessegnon and Hill, they're all expected back in late October. And all three can have an impact. Sessegnon as a rotation option at left-back, Hill as cover on the right wing for Kulisevsky, and then Bentoncourt in that midfield. When Lacelso's back, he gives them another option in the number 10 position. So you have him and Madison. This is a really decent squad, and they're deep as well. Like, I've seen a few people suggest that, you know, oh, well, one injury and Spurs are finished, and I'm not really sure I can get on board with that. When you look at the squad, you've got... Now, the goalkeeper, they don't have good cover. I wouldn't be a fan of Fraser Forster, and the other two are kids, and they're not going to bring Lloris back in. So, Vicario, they need him to stay fit. But at right back, you've got Poro and Emerson Royale, at left-back, you've got a Doji and Sessegnon. They're very similar to two left-backs in terms of what their strengths and weaknesses are. Obviously, Royale is a different type of right-back to Poro, but it means they have a different option there in games where maybe Ange doesn't want to throw both full-backs forward relentlessly. The big weakness in this squad is at centre-back behind the two starters. There's no quality depth there. But they've got quality depth in midfield, and they've got quality depth up front. So, yeah, if Romero got hurt or Van de Ven got hurt, more so Romero, because I'd rather play Ben Davies than Eric Dyer in a Postacoglu setup. But I've been so impressed by how quickly the team have adapted to his methods, how quickly he's adapted to the pace of the league. I'm very excited by this Spurs team this year. I think they've got real purpose for the first time in a long time. 
Uh, moving on. Oh, their next four games. Sheffield United at home should win. Arsenal away, Liverpool home, and then Luton away. Now, Sheffield United and Luton are games they should win. But the other two are big tests. Now, they've already played United and beat them 2-0. These are bigger tests. Though. These are two better teams. And these are the teams that I have finishing second and third in the league ahead of Spurs this year. So these will be two really important tests. And I'm looking forward to both games. I think they're both lining up to be very, very entertaining games. Uh, third in the league is Liverpool. You've heard me talk about Liverpool day in and day out on the Daily Red. But for those that haven't, um started off with a very, very disappointing performance away to Chelsea, but got a 1-1 draw. Beat Bournemouth 3-1 at home. Didn't play particularly well. Had spells in the game where they were pretty good. Should have been two or three down in the first 15 minutes. Came back in, got ahead, had a man sent off, went further ahead, and then just saw the game out and managed it quite well. The Newcastle performance was an absolute catastrophe, but they still managed to come away with a win because Newcastle Newcastle threw it away far more than Liverpool won it. There's been lots of you know, scoreline reaction, is what I call it, where people watch a game and then look at the scoreline and decide what they've seen rather than basing it on what they actually saw. Liverpool were not good in that game. There was no tactical masterclass by Jurgen Klopp. His substitutions weren't excellent. One substitution paid off massively and made all the rest look a lot better. But Liverpool were comprehensively outplayed in the day. And if Newcastle had anything about them in the final third, they would have won that game fairly comfortably. Liverpool then decimated Aston Villa. 3-0 flattered Villa. Should have been four, should have been five. Easily Liverpool's best performance of the season. One they can be happy about. Zabozlai gets his first goal. He looks more and more impressive as the games go by. McAllister's been a good addition. They are short in holding midfield on the left side of the defence. They're a little bit short for depth in one or two other spots. But if they can use, say, Stefan Besetic as a backup to Trent, if they can get Joe Gomez and Joel Matip enough minutes to keep them in rhythm, and if they can just patch the midfield together, <clears throat> I have them winning the Europa League and the FA Cup this year. And I don't think that's overly biased. I think they're the best team in the Europa League. I don't see many teams in the Champions League that I would rate above them. Maybe maybe four. Maybe four. The Premier League is clearly the strongest league around. Actually, one quick correction to when I did my predictions yesterday. I said I couldn't see anyone to stop City. I did skip over PSG. And the more I look at their squad, the more I think PSG might be the one team that can do it. Um, back to Liverpool. I think they'll be really happy to have gotten through the games they've gotten through. It's been a difficult start. Chelsea, it's a big rivalry game. Newcastle and Villa were two of the seven best fit teams in the league last year. So all things considered, I think they will be happy. I think there's a lot of aspects of the performances that they won't be happy with. There are some that they will be happy with. 
They'll be really happy with how quickly the two new boys have adapted. They'd like, I'm sure, Endo to up his level and play more like he does for his national team. He was apparently very, very good the other day. Uh, Ryan Gravenberch is a wild card and potentially an X-factor for them, so we'll see how that falls. But the big thing for them is they kept Salah. They've got no major injuries at the moment. You've got Van Dijk is suspended for the game, then he's back, for the next game, then he's back. Alexander Arnold's probably out for a couple of weeks. Alcantara and Kanate should hopefully be back this weekend. So Liverpool are in pretty good shape at the moment. Their next four games, Wolves away, West Ham home, Spurs away, Brighton away. So it is tough. It's a tough run of league games coming up. West Ham, Spurs and Brighton have all made really good starts. And Wolves, they should beat them, but they should have beaten them last year and they didn't. They've also got the added Europa League stuff to take into account, but I don't think too many of the first-team players will be playing in those games. West Ham have made a very surprising start. They didn't look particularly good against Bournemouth and were a little bit lucky to get a draw, but then they completely outplayed Chelsea. They went to Brighton and managed to come away with three points there, and then they beat Luton last time out. So it's been a fairly difficult start, especially coming off a bad season. They were obviously quite late to act in the transfer window as well. But I think if you'd offered them 10 points from those four games, they'd have jumped all over it. Don't love the fullback situation. think they're pretty strong at centre-back. I'm very much in favour of the change in goalkeeper. It's about time Ariola became first choice. Don't like Ward-Prowse. Doesn't offer anything other than set pieces. But I think Alvarez is going to prove to be a very good buy for them. Mohamed Kudus has to come into the team. Paqueta looks like he's stepping his game up to another level. If Bowen can get back to the form he showed two years ago and use the springboard of that goal in the Conference League to to get back to where he was two years ago, he could be very dangerous. The big issue with them, I don't know there's enough goals spread out through the team to make up for the fact that if Antonio gets hurt, they're relying on Danny Ings with no ACLs in his knees. So I'm a little bit concerned there. But the start has been excellent. It does get tougher from here, though. They get City home, Liverpool away, Sheffield United home, Newcastle home. They've also got Europa League to deal with. And unlike Liverpool, they don't have as big a squad. I think this is going to be a very tough four-game run in the league for them. Sheffield United should be a win. But I think if you offered them... Two points from the other three games, City, Liverpool and Toon, I think they'd take them. I really do. I think they'd take two points from those three games. And then they'd have 15 points after eight games, which, you know, it's not as good as 10 after four. But I think they'd take that. I do. Uh, Moving on then. Arsenal, the final team on 10 points. They just haven't been impressive this season. They've not played well. They were very, very fortunate to beat Nottingham Forest on the opening day. They were very fortunate to beat Ars- uh, to beat Crystal Palace. They were a little bit unlucky maybe to end up with a draw against Fulham, having gone behind, gotten back ahead, and then just fallen asleep at a set piece. But they were really, really fortunate against United. United didn't deserve to lose that game. The Rice goal shouldn't have counted, and then the third goal doesn't happen. A 1-1 draw was a more accurate reflection of that game. Um, 
Spent a lot of money in the summer. So far, not seeing much reward from it from the Havertz side. Obviously, Timber got hurt. Rice has been okay, but nothing special. But he did get that goal against United. I'm curious to see when they play the more physical teams and the better teams, I'm curious to see how they start to shape up. Because they didn't like the physicality of Fulham when Fulham put it to them. They didn't like that against Crystal Palace either. And Lerma and Decore were able to have quite a bit of success in that midfield against them. So up next, they get Everton away. That's going to be tough. That is going to be tough. Everton are not good, but Everton will kick with the best of them. And last season, we saw Sean Sean Dyche get the win over Arsenal at Goodison. He'll be looking to repeat the trick. Sean Dyche loves nothing better than to spoil a party. So I think they'll give Arsenal a tough game. I think Arsenal should win the game, but I think it will be tough. Um... After that, then it's Spurs, North London Derby is always going to be tough. Then away to Bournemouth, they should win that one. And then it's City. And that is, like I said earlier, that's a huge marker. Because until you can beat City once, they've got no reason to fear you. No reason at all. And Arsenal haven't proven they can beat Manchester City in an actual, you know, real game. We, We don't we don't count winning the Community Shield on penalties here. Until they prove they can beat City, they're not to be taken seriously. Because even bad United teams under Ollie beat City. City were great. Klopp has always been able to beat City with Liverpool. Um, until Arteta shows he can, you know, after spending all this money, if he, until he shows he can do it, There's no reason to take them seriously as a threat to win the league. Brighton. Um, They play the best football in the league. There's no question about that. They hammered Luton, hammered Wolves, got beaten by West Ham, and then put on a show against Newcastle. They do look a little bit open at the back and I do worry about a lack of depth in certain areas. Like, I think there's going to be games this year where the lack of a ball winner in midfield will hurt them. I think there's going to be games where a lack of foot speed at centre-back will hurt them. It certainly did against West Ham. I think teams who go direct against them will have some, some joy because that type of football, that type of agricultural long ball Pulis ball I suppose it it doesn't really seem to compute with with uh, the Zerbi that teams can do this it seems like he, he struggles to adapt when teams you know pump it long into the channels and get their their target man to go and chase things and then flood into the box his his brand of football has always been very open. It was the same with Sassuolo, same with Shakhtar. It's the same there at Brighton. If you're physical with them and you go direct against them and you work in behind their centre-backs and get them turned and facing their own goal, you can have success. Everton did it last year. Everton walloped them last year by doing a similar thing to what West Ham did this year. 
I think we'll see a couple more teams try that as well. And it will be interesting to see how Brighton react to that. Now, Brighton still have strengthening they can do just internally, bringing Igor into the team and things like that. Uh, maybe starting Moldehood a little bit more often. They've obviously made the change now to get Veltman back in for Milner, which is a big one. But the less the less Milner and Lalana in the league, the better. Believe me, the better. Um, Solly March and Pascal Grouse continue to impress week on week. Matoma is a joy. Estupinen is the best left back in the league. And Evan Ferguson is going to win Young Player of the Year. Uh, up next for them is a trip to Old Trafford. I fancy them to go there and win that. Then they get Bournemouth at home, then away to Villa, and then home to Liverpool. So pretty tough run. Pretty tough run. They've got Europa League coming up now as well. Incredible for Brighton to be in European competition. And not only that, but to go in, I think they can be pretty confident at getting out of the group, even though it is, without question, the toughest group. I think Brighton can come out of it. Um, Moving on. Crystal Palace. I mean, they've made a good start, haven't they? You know, seven points, two wins. Sorry. Yeah, two wins, a draw and a defeat. And unfortunate in that defeat because they deserved something from the Arsenal game. Now, they'll be a little bit disappointed that they didn't uh, they didn't manage to beat Brentford because they did have the opportunities to beat Brentford. But, you know, they went away to Sheffield United, got the win, lost at home to Arsenal, drew at Brentford, and then beat Wolves. When Roy was marking down his predictions before the season for each game, which he does religiously, I'd almost bet that's sort of what he had thought they'd get. I th- I think he thought they'd beat newly promoted Sheffield United lose to Arsenal, draw with Brentford and beat Wolves. And if I had to guess moving forward, I would imagine he has them losing to Villa, beating Fulham at home, losing to United, beating Palace, and then whatever for Newcastle, probably losing away. But Roy tries to predict the season before the season. Because he wants to get to his, you know, 43 to 45 points, somewhere between 12th and 14th in the league. That's just how Roy works. So he won't have been overly upset at losing to Arsenal because he won't have gone into that game expecting something. Had they drawn with Palace, he would have been upset and he would have been annoyed. And then he would have had to try and start to find those points from elsewhere. But all things considered, I think Palace can be happy. They still have Elise to come back into that team as well. Uh, Matthias Frank, the Brazilian kid they bought in the summer, he has to come in. Dean Henderson has to come in. So I think there's reason for optimism there. They kept all the big hitters in the summer, obviously, bar Wilf. The loss of Wilf is a big one. But they kept Akure, they kept Elisa, they kept Eze, they kept Kwehi. I think they can be happy. I think they should be happy. Uh, next up then is Brentford. Six points, one win, three draws. Uh, one of six unbeaten teams in the league. I thought they'd miss Ivan Tony more, uh, but they found ways to score goals. They scored two against Spurs in a draw. They got three against Fulham in a win, and they got two against Brentford in a draw. Only Crystal Palace held them to one goal. And, you know, last season, Brentford did at times struggle for goals. But I think Mbomo's been excellent. His finishing has definitely improved from where it was last year and especially the year before. He's still missing chances, but he is getting into great positions. 
And I suppose that's the big thing. As long as he's getting the chances, they'll back him to put enough of them away to keep them afloat until Tony comes back. And they're not just afloat. Like they're, they're not just surviving. They are thriving in the Premier League and have done since they came up. Thomas Frank has done a brilliant job. The club are incredibly well run. They're very, very well prepared. There's never a player that doesn't know what his role is. Now they've got a difficult run coming up. Newcastle away, Everton home, Forest away and Manchester United away. So, you know, they'll be targeting Everton home for certain and Forest away. There's where you go and you get your points and anything you can take against Brentford or, or sorry, against Newcastle or United is a, is a bonus. Now, <clears throat> of course, they beat United uh, very comfortably last season down at their own place and should have no reason to fear Manchester United. They did lose at Old Trafford in April to a Marcus Rashford goal, but they weren't at their best that day. I think the manager, if he could have that one over again, he probably wouldn't go with that shape on the day. But United don't look good, and there's no reason to think Brentford can't turn them over if they if they play to their full capacity. Um, we'll move on. Nottingham Forest. I like how they started the year. You know, they had a difficult enough start. United and Arsenal in their first four games, and Chelsea, to be fair, and Chelsea. But defeat to Arsenal deserved something. Beat Sheffield United, defeat to United should have, should have gotten at least a draw, having gone 2 0 up in five minutes. And then they went and they beat Chelsea away. So I think they're going to be really happy with how the season has begun, compare and contrast to last season, where they made such a poor start. They get. Newly promoted Burnley next. That's a game they should win at home. They have to go to City. Then they have Brentford home, and then they go to Crystal Palace. So, look, it's not. It's never easy. It's never easy. If you're not one of the top six or seven clubs in the league, there are no easy games. If you are among those groups, there are games then that will be easy for you. Like, all of the big six or big seven, if you want to include Newcastle, will look at Luton at home and Sheffield United at home and probably both of those teams away and the likes of Forest and Fulham and Wolves and Everton. And they'll say, well, they're all games we're going to win. They're all games we expect to win. But when you're not in that group, it's very difficult. Yes, Forest can look at Luton and say, well, we're better than them. We should win that. You should, but that doesn't mean you will. When it's a city, you should means you will. Um, I like what Forrest did in the summer. They left it really late again, though, which always bothers me. I don't know whether that's attempts to be clever, whether it's an attempt to save wages or, you know, by not buying players in July. So you save basically two months worth of wages. I don't know. What I do know is they got good players in. They upgraded their midfield. They upgraded their defense. They upgraded their attack. The loss of Brennan Johnson is tough. But Brendan Johnson was fairly hit and miss last season. For as talented as he is, he is still a young, inconsistent player. And I think, I think Alanga is going to have a good season for them. Emmanuel Dennis is going to be an X factor for them. If he can prove that the season he had at Watford wasn't a fluke, I think him and a one E up front could be really good. 
Last one before we go to break is Aston Villa. Weird start to the season for them. Hammered by the tune. Then they, they walloped Everton themselves. Then they beat Burnley and then they got thoroughly outplayed by Liverpool. Now, I don't think they'll be overly disappointed with six points from that start, uh, especially considering three of the games were away from home. So I don't think they'll be overly disappointed. But I do think they'll be disappointed by the manner of defeat at both Newcastle and Liverpool. They've also got some injury concerns now, especially at centre-back. Diego Carlos potentially out for a while. Tyron Mings out for probably the season. Leaves them a little bit light there. And with the Europa Conference League to deal with, you'd wonder how that would shake out. They should breeze through the Europa Conference League group. Uh, Legia Warsaw, Zrinski and Azel Alkmaar should not prove overly difficult for Unai Emery's team. I am curious to see where they shake out over a full season under him. Because last season, as I said before, they were top four based on form under him, having been a relegation team based on form under Steven Gerrard. And the truth is, they're probably about where they finished last season. Seventh to eighth is probably right. I think I have them sixth this season because they've improved. Um, in terms of bringing in Pau Torres and bringing in Diaby. There's Jacob Ramsey to come back in, which I think will provide a huge boost to them. So I am excited to see how they look at full strength this year. I really like the double pivot in midfield. I like the potential of what the defence could be, though I'm no fan of Luca Dina. Uh They've got an excellent goalkeeper. Watkins and Diaby looks like a pairing that's going to work. I'd still... I'd still like to see them add one more in attack come January, another striker, like a a proper nine. Because Watkins, to me, is like a nine and a half. He spent a lot of his time playing wide. And while he is good through the middle, I do think he'd be better with another striker. You know, a Tammy Abraham, an Ivan Tony type. I think Watkins with someone like that would cause... Everyone problems. Then play Diaby off a wing, Ramsey off the other, and play it narrow as like that box midfield that he's using. And then you've got the two boys in the middle of the park. Then your only question marks are in defence. But you've got a really good goalkeeper to make up for. Uh, Moving forward, Villa have Palace home, Chelsea away, Brighton home, and Wolves away. So I think they'll fancy themselves take six to seven points from that group. And if they do, I think that carries on a a good start to the season. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll finish out the other 10. And then we'll do some gossip and be done. See you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. So on to the first team who won't be happy with how their start has gone. Manchester United sitting 11th, six points. Could very easily be no points, could very easily be eight or even ten points. Um, United have not been good. They were not good against Wolves. They were comprehensively outplayed at home. Wolves should have scored a couple of goals. Should have been given the most obvious penalty we're likely to see this season. They got beaten by Spurs, but... Yeah, there was a spell in the game where United were the better team and 
they probably should have gone in at half time, one up. They weren't good against Forrest, but to their credit, they did fight back from 2-0 down to win 3-2. And then the Arsenal game, which we've talked about. So, you know, they could easily have gotten a result against Spurs and gotten a result against Arsenal, and they could have 10 points. And even if they hadn't played any better than they have, the outlook would be a lot more positive. Much of the negativity, of course, comes with stuff that's not football related. You know, the Anthony stuff, the stuff with Sancho, the stuff with Greenwood. And it's been reported that United, as part of their PR campaign to try and rebuild Mason Greenwood's image, sent people to coordinate the PR campaign around his arrival, around him training with with uh, Hitafe. So they said they were going to part ways. Obviously, that's not going to happen. They're probably going to try and bring him back in 12 months or potentially try and sell him if he has a good season and they still think it will be too toxic to bring him back. But as at United, as has been the way for many, many years there, they say one thing and then they underhandedly do something else. And... You know, this isn't the first time they've covered something up. This isn't the first time they've tried to hide behind a cloak of silence and, you know, making things go away. Now, when Ferguson ran the show, it was easier for him to make things go away because he had everybody in his pocket. Different now, different club really in many ways but still trying the same practices and not doing it very effectively. Um, Brighton home next, then Burnley away, Palace home, Brentford home. They need to take nine points from those four games. They need to take nine points. Or all of a sudden, they're going to start seeing a big gap between themselves and the top four. And while it would still only be early October, if you find yourself eight to ten points off off top four that early in the season and you've got a difficult Champions League group to come through and you're going to start getting more injuries and suspensions, etc., etc., it can become very difficult to make those points up. Um, I don't know what to make of Chelsea as yet. They're not a team. It's a collection of individuals that's been thrown together they drew at Liverpool. They were good for a spell, but never really looked like scoring a second goal. They got beaten by West Ham. They did beat Luton, but they weren't impressive. And then they lost at home to uh, Nottingham Forest. They've not been good. I am not sure if Pochettino has any real idea of what his best eleven is going to be. And Kunku will be a big difference maker for them when he gets back but it's a matter of when that's going to be a while away. Like he's probably still two, three months away. What are they suggesting? In Kunku, mid-December, they lost Fafana for the season. Romeo Lavia, we have to wait and see when he'll be back. Chukwemek is out for another month. Brogia is still working his way back. 
Reese James is still working his way back. Badi Ashile is still working his way back. Chalaba is out. Mudrik is out. Like they've got a lot of injuries. Well, it's one of the things that happens when you've got such an enormous squad. But it does make it very hard to settle in on a first choice group, like a first 15. Who are the guys that you can trust game in and game out? And that's what Pochettino has to figure out. I wouldn't envy it. It's not. I would say it's probably the most difficult job in the country because there's big expectations. There's a very entitled fan base and the owner is a lunatic. So I wouldn't envy him. I wouldn't envy him at all. Um, Their next four, Bournemouth away, Villa home, Fulham away, Burnley away. Again, they're, three of their four are away, but I think they need nine points. I think they need to take nine points from those games. Because if not, it doesn't matter that Pochettino's only in the door. They backed Tuchel to the hint and then fired him. They spent a fortune to get Potter, backed him to the hilt and then fired him. So they won't care if they have to fire Pochettino and go get somebody else. That's just what they'll do. Fulham, I'm concerned about this season. I really am. Um, Beat Everton away on the opening day. Good results. Got hammered by Brentford. Drew at Arsenal. And then obviously got tonked by Man City. They lost Mitrovic and didn't replace him. And when you lose your main source of goals and you don't replace them, I, I do have big concerns. We know they're going to lose Joe Pelinia in January. I, I do have concerns for Fulham. I really do. And Marco Silva obviously turned down mega money from the Middle East to stay, which is that going to mean that the owners are overly loyal to him? Should things go wrong? It, it's very possible. They haven't looked great. At all. Now, the result against Arsenal was impressive. Going to Goodison and winning on the opening day was was a good result and a good performance. But they were outplayed by Everton. And they were just decimated by Brentford and by City. Uh, Fulham play. Luton away. Palace home. Sorry. Luton home. Palace away. Chelsea home. And then they go to Sheffield United. I mean, there's three, there's three games there they should be targeting for points. And then the fourth is Chelsea home, which London Derby, Chelsea still quite unsettled. You know, beat Luton, draw with Palace, maybe get a draw with Chelsea, beat Sheffield United. And all of a sudden, you've started to turn things around and you're over, well over a quarter of the way. You're almost a third of the way to survival with 12 points. The four you have, the eight you take. You're almost a third of the way to survival. So it can be done. I don't think they're going to go down. I have them I have them 17th, though. Now, a big part of that is, is Polina. I'll be interested to see if he's straight back in after this uh, international break. And if he is, how does he perform? Does he look fully committed? Because if he does and he continues to play well, he'll get his move in January. I think he's going to get it either way. 
Uh, next up then, we go to Newcastle. Just the three points, won their first game. They've lost the three since. A lot of people starting to write them off. A lot of people chuckling to themselves. I think they've had the hardest start by a country mile. They hammered Villa, lost to City, somehow contrived to lose to Liverpool, and then got outplayed by Brighton. Nobody's had a harder start. And realistically, they should have six points. They should have beaten Liverpool. And if they had six points, I think people would look at it differently, which is kind of funny at this point in the season. They've still got a lot of new players to settle in. The two young fullbacks, Hall and Livermento, they'll have to get opportunities. Livermento, you expect, will be a backup this year behind Trippier. But Hall needs to come into that team at left-back, in my view. And I think when he does, he'll make quite a big impact on the team. Gamerish hasn't gotten up to form just yet. Tonali is still finding his way in the league. Isak is still a little bit hit and miss, and that's the concern with him. He can just be inconsistent. But if he finds his form, and if they can get Harvey Barnes into the team, and I think Barnes should be starting, whether it's over Anthony Gordon or whether it's Gordon moving to the right wing and Almiron coming out, they they need to get their best players on the pitch. And without question, Harvey Barnes is one of their best players. They've got a tough Champions League group, but I think they'll finish second in it. In the league, they get Brentford, Sheffield United, Burnley and West Ham. Brentford and Burnley are home, Sheffield United and West Ham are away. I think they can they should win both home games. They should win away to Sheffield United. If they can get a point away to West Ham, then that 13 points plus the three they have, 16 points from eight games starts to look a lot better. That is Champions League form. That's a 76-point season. So it's very easy for them to turn it around and get moving in the right direction. They'd have 13 points, not 16 points. They'd have 13 points. So it's not quite Champions League form, but you get my point. They're, they can easily turn this around. I have them finishing fifth, and I'm quite happy with that pick. Um, I just think people are going to look foolish that are starting writing them off and laughing at them. Uh, next up is Wolves. They were so good against United. They haven't hit that performance level in any of the games since. They got walloped by Brighton. They did go and win at Everton, which was a really good result. They were a little bit unfortunate away to Palace. Now, I do think Palace were good value for the win, but just a couple of balls that bounced the wrong way for them. Otherwise, it could have been a bit of a different game. Gary O'Neill would not have been anybody's pick. I don't think other than owners that were in a bit of a weird situation. Lopetegui, I don't understand why he left it till so late in the window. Like you knew the circumstances. You knew the financial situation at the start of the summer. Why didn't you leave in June? Why did you wait till a few days before the season? That to me is a very bad look for Lopetegui. Uh, who I, I don't know that he ever wanted the job to begin with. If you remember when they first approached him, there was, yeah, there was, there was, there was legitimate reasons for him not to take the job, but it was just weird that he turned it down, said that, you know, his father's health needed his attention and 
so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, oh, actually, no, I will take it. Um, and now apparently he's, you know, he's waiting for another Premier League job to come his way. I, I think he could be waiting a while because I'm not sure anybody looks at him too favorably after the way he treated Wolves. They've got a decent squad. The big question mark is, can they score enough goals? I think Sasa Kalicic has to be starting rather than Fabio Silva. I do worry a little bit about that defence, especially the right side of it with Semedo and Dawson, uh, neither of whom I'm a big fan of. Liverpool next, then Luton away, City home, Villa home. They've got to beat Luton. And then I think they've got to try and take, you know, at least at least one point from the other three games. At least one. Ideally two or three. It's going to be a slog of a season for them. I have them 15th, but it's razor, razor sharp between them, Burnley and Fulham. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Fulham finished 15th and Wolves were 17th or whatever. I, I just think... I, I just think there's enough in that squad to get through the season. Now, if Gary O'Neill gets the same type of luck he got with Burnley, with Bournemouth last year and they can run off two or three extended runs where they pick up a bunch of points, it'll make their life an awful lot easier. Uh, <clears throat> Bournemouth. <clears throat> Bournemouth next. Drew at West Ham. Lost to Liverpool. Lost to Spurs. Drew with Brentford. I think when they looked at those games, they might have thought three points against West Ham and that's kind of it. So they might be a little bit disappointed with two points, but to get two positive results, and I would class the draw at West Ham, given what they've done in the other three games, and a draw away to Bournemouth, where you were very unfortunate not to get, or to Brentford, rather, where you were very unfortunate not to get the win, I would class them as positive outcomes. Gave Liverpool a big scare. Spurs the only game which they haven't really played all that well. Spurs the only game that Bournemouth have played this year where I haven't watched them and, and been impressed. I think that had more to do with Spurs than it did with Bournemouth. Spurs were just very, very good on the day. New manager, a lot of new players, still a lot of players to come back as well, remember. Tyler Adams hasn't played yet. Alex Scott hasn't played yet. Oatara hasn't played this season. They get those three back in. And look, it's going to be a while for Scott, but they're hopeful that Oatara and Adams are back off this uh, off this international break, you know, off the back of this, that they're both going to be back in the team. Then, hopefully, we start to see them really start to make sense. You know, there's been they've been a little bit blunt in attack at times, but Oatara can change that. They struggle to sustain that tempo in midfield, but Adams and Scott can change that. There's a little lack of central creativity at times. Again, Scott can change that. I like this team. I do. I like this team. I like what they've done in the summer. I like what they did in January. I expect big things from them. Chelsea home, Brighton away, Arsenal home, Everton away. It's a tough four-game run. It really is. 
And my hope is that even if they were, say, to only take one point from those four games, so they'd have three points from eight games, my hope is that the knives wouldn't start to sharpen for Iraola. My hope is that he'd be given patience and backing. And that the media, and I don't hold any faith in them, but the media wouldn't be jumping all over him because, you know, a good British lad like Gary O'Neill was binned off to bring him in. He's a better manager than Gary O'Neill. And I think over the course of the season, he'll prove that. Sheffield United, one point from four games. Lost at home to Palace, lost away to Forest, lost at home to City, and drew at home with Everton. They've been in every game, though. Like, nobody's battered them yet. Palace dominated them, probably to a greater degree than even City did. But they've given as good as they've got. They gave City a big old scare. I know there was other chances that City could have scored from, but they did give City a big scare. And they probably should have beaten Everton. Like they, They'll be disappointed not to have beaten Everton. You'd like to see them be a bit, a little bit better at retaining possession. Now, Hammer, when he gets up, a bit more up to speed, and Sander Burge, they should help with that. Um, I do have some doubts about their ability to score goals, but my bigger doubt is the other end of the pitch. If they get Norrington Davies back, he'll be a big help. But I just think they're a little bit a little bit light at the back, a little, especially at centre-back, especially at centre-back. Um, but look, they've got a bunch of players to come back in the, in the coming weeks, and hopefully they can find better balance and potentially start to get some points on the board. Away to Spurs, home to Newcastle, away to West Ham, home, uh, and away to Fulham. That's a tough run. It is a tough run. And it doesn't get easier off the back of that than they go United home, Arsenal away. I, I have them going down. I think it's going to be a very long, tough season for them. I also have Everton going down. Right now, they've got one point from their four games, and they've just looked dreadful. They they were the better team against Fulham, but it was two bad teams playing bad football, and Fulham beat them 1-0. Villa walloped them. They lost at home to Wolves, and then they drew 2-2 with Sheffield United. It, they're hard to watch. They really are hard to watch. There's no width. There's no width. Everything is bunched together. You've got Dan Juma nominally floating wide to, to offer some width. Ashley Young allegedly getting forward, but he can't cross the halfway line because he can't run. And James Garner's playing out wide, but tucked in, but getting what It's weird. It's really, really weird. They are trying to be big and powerful in a, a team that bullies in the middle of the park with Dakure and Onana and Adrissa Gane gave the biggest, but he's very physical. I do like what I've seen with Branthwaite. I think the Branthwaite-Tarkovsky pairing has promise, but they've got to get Ashley Young out of the team. They've got to get Ashley Young out of the team. He has been god-awful. I'm not really sure why Dwight McNeil hasn't been starting. If you look at their bench for the game against uh, Sheffield United, McNeil, Godfrey, Joe Virginia, Michael Enko, Andy Lonergan. So two backup goalkeepers on a seven-man bench. And Tyler Onyango, who's a young midfielder. 
and Trametti. So Trametti is the one that can maybe come on and get you a goal. You've got two defenders, two goalkeepers, and two midfielders, neither of whom, well, McNeil can make an impact, but neither of whom are like noted goal scorers or any kind of threat. It's just, it's a bad scene, a bad, bad scene at the Ev. Um, it's tough. Like, Brent, uh, sorry, Arsenal home, you'd expect a defeat. Brentford away, you'd expect a defeat. Luton at home, if they don't beat Luton, Dyche will, I think Dyche will be gone. If they lose the next two and then went into Luton and lost, I think Dyche would go at that point. Then it's Bournemouth home. They need to target beating Luton and Bournemouth. They have to. They've got to try and take six points from those two games. Because then they go Liverpool away, West Ham away, Brighton home, Palace away, United home. Do you expect any points from that run of five? I, if if they beat Luton, but were then to get shellacked a couple of times, I wouldn't be surprised if the November international break is when the change happens. I, I have Dyche's first manager fired. Um... I have to be honest, Luton are not a Premier League team. They just aren't. They're just they're just not a Premier League team. They're a championship team who need one of everything and needed one of everything, and they've brought a bunch of players in, and they're all championship caliber players. And I, I just can't see how they can stay up. I just cannot see any world in which they stay up. Walloped by Brighton, beaten by a very mediocre Chelsea, lost to West Ham at home. Like, you just haven't, you haven't impressed. You've shown nothing to suggest that you're a Premier League calibre team. I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on them because I understand it's it's their first season in the league since before the league became the league. And they've got, you know, this incredible journey that they've been on from non-league, this opportunity for them allows them to, you know, make the upgrades to the stadium that they need to make. And it allows them potentially a brighter future, which is what the whole thing is about. Like there'd be no point in them finishing 17th to then go down next season, but go down with a bunch of debt. Whereas to go back down after this season and then potentially re-emerge into the Premier League, the following in 25, 26 after a, another good, strong championship season, then maybe they're in a better, better position. I think they probably got promoted ahead of schedule. And I think they've probably built for another season in the championship. So, you know. Um, but look, Fulham away, Wolves home, Everton away, Burnley home. If you're going to get your season on track, this is the four-game run to do it in. Because these are all teams that will be in and around the relegation battle. These are your four games to get yourself in business. Fulham away, Luke, uh, Wolves home, Everton away, Burnley home. You've got to take six, maybe seven, maybe even eight points from these games. Or things will start to look really ugly, really fast. No points so far. It's not a good look. No points either for Burnley. Um, now, obviously, Burnley-Luton was the game that got 
postponed and it's it's to come. Um, Burnley lost to City, they lost to Villa, they lost to Spurs. None of those results are a surprise. Like, none of those results are an upset. City, Villa and Spurs should all be beating Bournemouth. They're all teams either in Europe this season or with European ambition for next season. Burnley are newly promoted. And I know they spent a lot of money, but they've got to settle all those players in. I like what company's doing. I like the squad he's built. I like the football that they're trying to play. They are missing one or two things, a ball winner, and they could do it a commanding centre-back. But I, I like what he's trying to do there. I hope the owners will continue to show faith in him. I hope he'll be given the time he needs. I think they're going to be okay this season. I think they could be this kind of this season's forest where maybe it's a bit of a slow start. But if they keep faith in the manager and allow him to continue to work and mold the squad into a team, then I think they're going to be good. Um, forest away, United home, Newcastle away, Luton away. Got to beat Luton. You've probably got to take something from the United Newcastle games. I think you've got to take something from the Forest game. That's obviously it's it's a tougher run than what Luton has, which is why I'm not saying you need to take six or seven points. I like I like Burnley. I do. I like I like the team. I like how they're playing. I think there's a I think there's a couple there's a couple of different ma- difference makers in their squad. And that's all you really need. And there we go. That is all 20 teams. Um, Okay. We will go to the news. And then we'll do the gossip. So. Everton takeover news. Farad Majiri is on the verge of a sale to an American investment company. 777 Partners. Based in Miami are apparently the club, or the the group looking to take the club over. Now, they, they own other clubs or shares in other clubs. Um, They're... They're an interesting group. They've got, they've hired a bunch of people who would otherwise work for clubs in data analysis and stuff like that. So they seem to be taking a centralized approach to things like recruitment and that analytics and that. So um, let's see if we can find the clubs that they have. Genoa is one. They have, they don't own, but they have a share in Sevilla. They have a share in Sporting Braga. Uh, Red Star FC, is that who that is? Yeah, Red Star FC in the French third division. Um, Vasco da Gama in Brazil, Melbourne Victory, and that is it. So that's the group that they'd be 
they'd be taking Everton into. And obviously, look, Genoa and Sevilla are big clubs. Sevilla be the biggest club under their control. Genoa's situation is similar enough to the situation with Everton, where they are a kind of a fallen giant. Um, oh, sorry, it's Standard Liège, not Sporting Braga. Standard Liège is the club that they uh, are bought into. They own that club outright as of 2022. They have an investment in Sevilla as of 2018. Genoa, I think it's outright ownership. Yeah, they bought them in September 2021. And Vasco, yeah, they bought them in 2022. So, yeah, quite a good portfolio. Everton financially are a mess, so... They could absolutely do it with someone coming in to take over, remove Mashiri and you know, just breathe new life into the club, get them into the new stadium. And then, then we'll see what happens from there. Uh, Paul Pogba has been suspended from playing football after a drugs test found elevated levels of testosterone in his system. The Italian National Anti-Doping Tribunal, NATO, said Pogba was tested after Juve's 3-0 win versus Udinese on the 20th of August. Uh, He was randomly selected for the post-match drug testing, having been an unused sub in the game. If found guilty, he could face a ban of two to four years. Um, Yeah. His agent has said she's awaiting the second sample and cannot have an opinion before the results. What is certain is that Paul Pogba never wanted to break the rules. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, What's this? Rui Pinto, the founder of Football Leaks, has been handed a suspended sentence of four years after being found guilty of attempted extortion, illegal access to data, and breach of correspondence. 34-year-old founded the website in 2015 and leaked millions of documents. He has argued that he is a whistleblower and not a hacker. Former history student and self-taught computer mastermind who was arrested in Hungary in January of 2029, freed under house arrest, and then under witness protection. Uh, His trial started in September of 2020. Crazy. Crazy. Right, gossip time. England winger Jadon Sancho could leave Manchester United after talks with Eric Ten Hag failed to settle the differences. I think think it's obvious he is going to leave. Uh, Manchester United are considering a move for Anwar Al-Ghazi, who is a free agent after leaving PSV Eindhoven. Um, obviously, Al-Ghazi has had a bit of a strange career to date. was last seen in the Premier League with Aston Villa. Oh, no, with, with Everton, actually. He had a loan there that didn't go well. Um, so let's see. Came through at Ajax, was very highly regarded. Moved to Lille, flopped, had a loan to Villa, did well in the championship, helped them come up. They bought him. 
he did okay to begin with. Then he fell out of favor. Then he had the loan to Everton, which was a bit of a mess. Then he went to PSV Eindhoven on a multi-year contract. And his contract was terminated by mutual consent on the 4th of September. Two caps for the Netherlands, but did switch his international allegiance to Morocco in October of last year. Uh, Has not been called up for the Moroccan national team as yet. Former Bayern boss Julian Nagelsmann and Louis van Gaal are on the shortlist to succeed Hansi Flick as Germany manager. Uh, Felix Magath says he has the credentials for the German job. Um, yeah, but no one wants to watch your brand of football, Felix, is the problem. Like, Felix McGat is a good manager. There's just no doubt that he's a good manager. But there's two problems here. Number one, he hasn't really been a full-time manager in, like, nine years. He had a spell in China in 2016, and then a very short spell as manager of Hertha Berlin, uh, nine games. But if you look at his career, like, did a decent job with Hamburg, did a good job with Nuremberg, was not good with Bremen, did well with Eintracht, did really well with Stuttgart, including winning the Intertoto Cup, gets the Bayern job, does well, then he falls out with everybody, gets the boot, Goes to Wolfsburg, wins the league. Goes to Schalke and does well. That's 2011. March 2011. He leaves to go to Wolfsburg again. It doesn't go well. He gets sacked by them in October 2012. And since then, he's managed Fulham for 20 matches and was sacked. Uh, Shandong Longeng. Uh, for 51 matches, to be fair, about a year and a half, but not at a, any kind of decent level. And then nine games at Hertha. So unfortunately, Felix, while you have won three Bundesligas and been German Manager of the Year three times, you haven't done anything in over a decade. So no, Felix, you can't have the job. Uh, Real Madrid are willing to commit $200 million to signing Kylian Mbappe. Manchester United, who rejected a bid from Arsenal for 30-year-old England goalkeeper Mary Earps, do not intend to sell her before the Women's Super League transfer deadline on Thursday, despite her contract running out in June. Chelsea fear that Romeo Lavia could be out for six weeks with an ankle injury. Arsenal, who had a 30 million bid for Sporting's 19-year-old Ivory Coast defender Usman Diamande, rejected in the summer, will try again next year. I don't believe they did have a bid rejected. I think that's just been made up. Atletico Madrid and France forward Antoine Griezmann says a move to the United States to play MLS remains his priority. That's understandable, to be fair. And that's it. That's all I've got. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network.